0: Welcome to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from Hoffmantown Church. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. (laughs) That's amazing, isn't it? I can't tell you, I'm I'm still, I'm not a biologist, okay? So, forgive me. For those of you who are scientists out there and understand this stuff and have seen this stuff, I think uh, Bill was saying it was on an electron microscope that you could watch the working of a cell. And I'm still kind of trying to put my mind around this thing, you know? Over 2,000 mechanistic processes taking place in your one cell, which you have trillions of cells in your body all the time. I mean, it literally, when they showed kind of a, a video of what this would look like, it looked like a mock up from a Star Wars scene. It was like, what? Are you serious? <laughs> And you think about trillions of cells within one person's body, thousands of mechanized processes taking place in every cell. Do you realize the number that that begins to translate into when it comes to how many things are taking place in each and every one of us throughout this entire world and all living organisms? It's mind-boggling. And the idea that this just happened. Please. (laughs) God created the heavens and the earth. God created. He spoke it into existence. He created out of nothing. Because only he can. He's the first cause. He's the designer. He owns it. It's his. Guess what? That means for you and for me, That he owns us. And the question is, are we yielded to him? Are we saying yes to him in every area of our lives? Are we walking with him in in the truth of who he is as he's revealed himself through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ? Are we doing that each and every day? Because, folks, the timeline that we have here on this earth compared to eternity in heaven with the Lord forever is so short. Why would we waste time? Why would we waste time? I want to talk about the creation of man today. (laughs) The creation of man. I'll tell you what, there's so much information in every one of these sermons. And I'm I'm like scratching the surface, if that. right? If that. It's unbelievable when you begin to look at all the different things and factors and thoughts and angles of the creation itself uh, in terms of its totality. But when you look at mankind... It's remarkable. We are created in the image of God. We are created. Uniquely On day six, which I believe in literal days, folks, I'm sorry, 24-hour days, I believe hermeneutically, you have to have to take that into account. I understand the science. I'd rather be confused by the science and not quite sure what we're looking at and recognize that science does uh, begin to change. You know, we used to believe in a flat earth and all this kind of stuff, right? Amen. So we realize uh, that we don't know it all and that we can't figure it all out. And in Hebrews 11.3, he says, by faith. We understand that God created the world, right, by faith. If you think you could ever figure it all out and dot every I and cross every T, I think you're going to really put yourself in a bad place. It's fascinating to look at, and we ought to. But we come at it from the perspective that we recognize there's a designer, there's a creator. God created it, and as a result, we can begin to look at his handiwork And be in awe of what God has done. Day six, God created the beasts of the field and the cattle and all this stuff. There's a special moment here. He created Adam. He created the first man. He created Eve. He created the first woman. Wow. I I wonder what was going on in the heavens when that took place. We saw in Job where the morning stars were singing the praises of God as he began to put forth his creation and he began to speak it into existence. They were kind of like the cheerleading squad of the ages. I wonder if they were doing flips, somersaults. Who knows? Pirouettes. I don't know what angels do. But they were singing to the glory of God. I wonder what happened when God reached down and began to fashion man out of the dirt That's a little humbling, isn't it? And then he breathed life into Adam. Or when he put Adam into a deep sleep and he reached in and he took one of Adam's ribs and he fashioned Eve. And then brought Eve to Adam. You can't get better drama than that. Can you imagine? I mean, it's so cool to think about. I love it. Day six, Genesis one twenty seven. Look at that with me, Genesis one twenty seven. And by the way, I've got so many verses on this stuff. You got to turn quick. We're trying to get it up here for you, so that if I go too fast and everything like that, you've got it. And uh, if you want my notes, boy, just email me, right? And uh, we'll try to get them to you. Uh, we are working on a Hoffmantown app. Uh, the developers have been a little slow to the slow to the take, and Lord willing, we're going to get that done. And hopefully, we'll get. Um, some of these notes on there for you because I know it's a lot of information and we're going through this at uh, light speed, okay? Genesis 1:27. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created a male and female. He created them. There's so much in that statement, it's remarkable. We're created in the image of God. What does that mean? We're going to look at that. He created the male and female, There's equal uh, value here. There's a touching point with God in the midst of this. There's an image bearing that takes place in the midst of humanity. It's phenomenal when you think about that. There's no animal that this was said of. Apes were not said to be created in the image of God. In Mark, Jesus said, from the very beginning, God created man and woman. From the very beginning, there is no other object, whether it's inanimate or whether it's animate, that man was created from in the sense of evolving. We were fashioned out of the dirt and we were given life by God himself as he breathed into Adam the breath of life. And certainly Eve was created from man, Adam. So we begin to recognize that there is a uniqueness here. Something special about humanity. In Psalm chapter 8, David quoted this. He didn't know I was going to quote this as well, and I love it. (laughs) Holy Spirit's at work, right, brother? Psalm chapter 8, verses 3 through 5. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you take thought of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than God, and you crown him with glory and majesty. Wow. What does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be created in the image of God? Nigel Cameron, in a book, What Does the Bible Say About Euthanasia and His Writings About This, has this quote, and I think this was... Pertinent. The starting point for a biblical understanding of human nature is the idea that human beings are made in the image of God. It is clear from Genesis 1, 26 through 27 that this applies to, to all members of the human species. Homo sapiens is distinguished from all other kinds by our bearing the likeness of our maker. The imago dei, image of God, is what makes us the beings we are, and it is in place wherever there are members of our species. Have you ever been around the world and seen people from different areas of the world? You begin to watch the uniqueness and the characteristics. You begin to watch how people act in the different cultures. You begin to see the little children. You begin to see the different things that... uh, are reflective of God. I've been to numerous countries in this world, and I'll never forget one particular moment when I was 19 years old. I spent three months in Romania, ended up back in Budapest, Hungary, on my way home. And in the midst of a sea of people, they opened up one of these streets, they closed it off to any cars or motorized vehicles, and this was their path. And I began to watch these Hungarians and their faces were hard. There didn't look like there was any hope. They were looking down at the ground, most of them. I couldn't get them to look up and smile at me. And I stood up on a park bench just to get a better perspective of how many people there were. And I began to look around, and I thought, Dear God, how are these people going to know Christ? How are these people going to come to know you? I know that God's working all around us. God's at work. God's more concerned about the salvation of the lost than we could ever imagine. But do we realize every day I've been in Indonesia, I've been to the Philippines, I've been to Burma, I've been to Guatemala, Guatemala, Honduras, Romania, Hungary, Russia. Every day people wake up and they're created in the image of God and they don't know him. They have no hope. They are lost Destined for a place that was created for Satan, because they're separated from a holy God do do you realize? Every person here, when we begin to shake hands and greet one another in the love of Christ, we're the body of Christ, we're believers. Do you realize every person that you come in contact with every day, I don't care what social economic status they have. I don't care what they look like. I don't care what they're going through. It doesn't matter their circumstances. Every person that you come in contact with every day is created in the image of God. Every person, there's nobody that deserves to be treated less than with honor and respect. I don't care if they're the poorest of the poor or the richest of the rich or anywhere in between. Every person deserves to be treated with respect and valued and honored. Why? Because we've been created in the image of God. Amazing. Let me ask you something. Are we so yielded to Christ that we realize that every moment of every day is to be yielded over to him so that God through us, as he transforms us, begins to use us in order to win back his people, his creation those that are created in His image and are separated because of sin, is that what we're about? Folks, the reason we come here is to equip so that you're deepened in the Word of God. The reason we have seminars is so that your strength is deepened, that we're matured in Christ, so that when we leave here and we walk amongst those who are lost, that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, that they would see in us light, hope, and they would have a glimpse of something that is beyond this world because they see Christ in us, and we have the opportunity to share that with them. When they come to us and they say, what is this hope that you've got? We're able, reasonably, rationally, and with joy to share with them the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel, and tell them why we have hope. And it's because Christ went to the cross for us. He loves us. And he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Is that what we're about? Boy, I sure hope so. I sure hope so. I'm convicted in this. Because I I think there's people all around. They're just, they're dying folks. And I wonder sometimes, in all the teaching and all the preaching and all the fellowship and all the, the time together, have we forgotten that God sent his son to go to the cross because all humanity, is his. And he desires for everybody to be saved. And are we willing in the midst of that, no matter whether it's in our Jerusalem or to the uttermost, to say, Lord, here am I. Send me. Send me. Not in my strength, not in my ability, not because of my wisdom, not because of my intellect, not because I'm something so great but rather because, Lord, you live in me. You'll give me the strength, you'll give me the wisdom, you'll give me the words, you'll open the doors. Lord, we wanna see you glorified. Folks, we're created in the image of God and everybody else is too. How does that impact us? In a way that is life altering. Where we cannot continue to live in the same way with the same mundane focuses. Where we say, Lord, here we are, use us. Genesis 2, verses 7 through 8 speak to this issue. And let me just share with you as we kind of look at that the whole idea of the image of God. What does image mean? what does it indicate? Spiros writes it this way in his definition of the word image. It's the Greek view of the Hebrew, which is very similar in its intent and meaning. Icon, which is the word image in the Greek, always assumes a prototype. That which it Not merely resembles, but from which it is drawn. Now think about this. Because this is a good picture. The reflection of the sun on the water is icon. To put it this way, when you look at the reflection on the water, that reflection would not be there if the sun did not exist. you catch it? We would not be here if God did not exist. Paul made this point. Apologetically, as he spoke to unbelieving philosophers, and he said, why are we worshiping stone and and stuff that doesn't have any life in it? We have life. And therefore, the indication is that God is a living being, not something we make with our own hands, cut out of rock, hewn, can't see, can't hear, can't taste, can't touch. We are living beings. We're created in the image of God. We are drawn literally from God himself. We are not gods. Some religions, wants to, they want to turn us into gods. Really? That's scary. Genesis 2, 7 through 8 says, The Lord God formed man out of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became what? A living being. The Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden. And there he placed the man whom he had formed. We're created uniquely. We're created in the image of God. We reflect the very reality and existence of God himself. He created Eden for us to live in. We're going to look at the fall over the next couple weeks and the problem of evil In this passage, God breathed into us the breath of life. There wasn't just a speaking, so to speak. There was an activity of God in a very unique way with man. We were formed by him, given life by him. God, when he formed Adam, then began to show Adam the creation. And he brought animals, cattle, beasts of the field, and birds, To him, and he named them. And if you have trouble wondering how that could happen in a 24 hour period of time, I would suggest you go to Answers in Genesis and look that up because they got great answers on this one. Genetically, we know that the whole animal population and kingdom uh, looked a little bit different than right now. And so I'll stop there because I could get into that and it's a sidetrack, but it's fascinating. Uh, Adam clearly was created with intellect. An ability, speech, right away. In Genesis 2.18, as Adam was looking at all these animals and he was naming them, there was no helper found for him. And in Genesis 2.18, it says, The Lord God said, It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. (laughs) It's cool, isn't it? The Lord knows. You know, I tell young people this all the time because I have to be told this as well. God knows what you need. God knows what you want. Right? I tell my daughter this. I tell my son this. Hey, guys, stop worrying about who you're going to marry. Stop worrying about who you're going to be with. Keep your eyes focused on the Lord. Keep your eyes fixed on Christ because the Lord knows what he wants to do far better than you. And he's got somebody for you that he's already preparing over here. You keep your eyes fixed on him and become the person God wants you to become. And then in God's timing, he'll put you together with the one he wants you to be with. Because he knows, he understands, he cares In Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 and following, he says, So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. He knew that he didn't have a helper suitable for him. Adam was looking at all the kinds of animals and the birds, and he was naming them, and he recognized there was two, male and female. And he's kind of reading between the lines, wondering, where's mine? So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon him, and he slept, and then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And The man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Woman created from man. I, I like how one uh, person said it. It was created from the side. Not the front, not the back, not the lead, not necessarily uh, in value to be behind in a way that is inordinate, but rather from the side. And part of that is for protection, for companionship, to walk with. It's a beautiful picture. Husband and wife together as a team There's an order to it. We're going to look at that in a few weeks in terms of the roles of both men and women. No question about that. It's affirmed scripturally all throughout the Bible. That at the same time, there's value here that is equal. Different roles, but equal value. In Job chapter 10, verses 8 through 9, this is stated, Your hands fashion me And made me altogether, and would you destroy me? Remember now that you have made me as what? Clay, and would you turn me into dust again? There's affirmation all through Scripture about the account in Genesis where God formed, fashioned man, and breathed into him life. In Job chapter 33, verses 4 through 6, just another indication of this the Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Refute me if you can. Array yourselves before me. Take your stand. Behold, I belong to God like you. I too have been formed out of what? The clay. The clay. (laughs) It's amazing, isn't it? Formed out of dirt. Praise God. There's humility in that. Well, we're created with a purpose. To rule the earth, to fill it. You know, it's interesting, one one individual stated this, that we are uh, in need of God to tell us what our purpose actually is. Whereas the animals were given instinct and just automatically function the way God created them to. We're created for relationship with God. We're created in order to learn from him, to grow in him, to walk with him, to know him, to understand what it is that he has for us. Genesis 1.28 affirms this. God blessed them and God said to them, both Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. By the way, that's before the fall. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. We're given purpose. We are to rule over this earth. We are image bearers. We've been drawn from his likeness, so to speak, created in order to reflect the very image of a living God. And he tells Adam and Eve very clearly to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. We've been created, I believe, with three parts. There's a lot of people that argue about this, and there's all kinds of different thoughts on this. We are the material and the immaterial. The material, we are formed of the stuff of the earth, The immaterial, we've been uh, given life. The breath of life has been breathed into us. So the material part is pretty simple. It's our bodies. The immaterial is fascinatingly complex. We would say soul and we would say spirit. In many instances, soul and spirit are linked together, giving us a picture of the immaterial. That part that you can't touch, that part you can't feel, you, you can't. Kind of know how to get there with it, except that you see what happens. Soul and spirit. I believe soul and spirit are different. Sometimes they're spoken of as the same, but I believe they are different. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5:23 indicates that may the God of peace himself Paul writing to the Thessalonians sanctify you entirely and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think it's very clear here that he is indicating three parts to man and he put them in the order of importance. Spirit, that part of us that relates to God. Soul, that part of us that relates to our environment. The body, that part of us that is flesh. It's fascinating. Everybody has a spirit. Even unbelievers have a spirit. It's just that their spirit is separated from God because of sin. When we become believers, what happens? God comes into us, the Holy Spirit indwells us. Where? In our spirit. What happens with our soul? Our mind, if you will, begins to be pulled up. We're uh, told to renew our minds getting into the word of God, beginning to learn the thoughts of God. When the spirit is in the right place and in the right order, the soul begins to be lifted up and the body and all its desires is placed into a proper context. When we're not walking by the power of the spirit, in the spirit, so to speak, what happens? The body takes preeminence and the inordinate desires, look, desires aren't wrong, it's the inordinacy of those desires. That becomes sinful. And the body begins to take preeminence and the mind is pulled down. In Christ, it's reversed. We begin to walk with God in a way that He created us, that He designed for us in His image, in relationship with Him. We're created with free will. I absolutely believe that, folks, with intellect. With the tendency, Adam was created with a tendency toward obedience. But he wasn't yet confirmed in it. The Lord gave him a test. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why did he give him that test? Charles Ryrie puts it this way. In setting a test at all, God showed that he wanted men to voluntarily choose to obey him and to serve him. He did not want automaton. Think about that. God put a test in order to test volitional will, free will. And we know the story. We're going to look at it in a couple weeks. Eve chose to eat, gave it to Adam, and Adam, in spite of what God had told him, chose to disobey. And the consequences have been catastrophic. We were created very good. I love the account. Everything was good. Everything was good, right? Days one through six, God saw that it was good. It was good. It was good. He gets done. He creates man. And what does he say? It was very good. I think that's awesome. That's kind of profound. Some people want to say that our existence on the earth is the threat to the earth. (laughs) Really? Seriously? Unbelievable. The threat to the earth is evil. It's sin. It is people that are uncontrolled. It is people that are not surrendered and yielded to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the threat. The universe and all in it has been placed under the consequence of sin. And groans longing for the revelation of the sons of God. God created us to rule not inordinately, not out of of character, but rather in him as his image bearers. We've been created very good. Obviously, we're marred due to the fall, due to sin. We're restored in Christ. I think it's awesome when you begin to realize how God is at work all around us, how the Lord is the one who is causing us to be restored, right? We come to know Christ. Christ comes to live within us. We have a new relationship with him. He makes it very clear we're new creatures in Christ. We have the ability to walk with him. We have the ability to learn from him. We're told to get into the word of God so that our minds could be renewed. And in the midst of it all, we begin to walk with the Lord. And we begin to reflect the glory of God in and through us. We begin to reveal his love through us. The fruit of the spirit is what? It's love. We've been created in his image. We've been created in order to be his image bearers on this earth. It was lost at the fall. It was marred at the fall. It's diminished. There's still a divine spark. You can see it even in the lost. Stories of courage and different things that people do. It's amazing. So there's still a spark there, but it's been marred. And in Christ, it's restored. We are given a new life and our minds begin to be renewed. One day we know that the promise is that our bodies will be made new. Right? We're going to take on the image of the eternal, the incorruptible. We'll have new bodies that go along with all that God has done in our lives in order to restore us. Romans 8.29 speaks to that. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become What? conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. Think about that. Conformed to the image of his son. What's happening now for the believer? For the one who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, receives the forgiveness of God through the son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the blood that he shed for us at the cross, we begin to be conformed to the image of his son. We begin to reflect the Lord Jesus Christ. In all that we do, in all that we say, God's love begins to be seen in and through us. 1 Corinthians 15, 49 says, Just as we have borne the image of the earthy, we will also bear the image of the heavenly. Think about that. Bear the image of the earthly. Now we're going to one day bear the image of the heavenly. What a beautiful day that is. Amen? <laughs> Long for that. Long for that. We've been created with personality. We've been created with intellect. We've been created with volitional will. The decision to choose to say yes or choose to say no because God doesn't want robots walking around. We've been created with emotion. Love. It's amazing, isn't it? All the different things. All the different ways in which we reflect god himself as his creatures it was marred at the fall it can be restored in christ it's something we hope for one day to be restored into the question is day by day moment by moment are we saying yes to him do we know him do we walk with him is all of our life bent On saying, Lord, here's my life. It's your life. You're the creator. You own me. You are the Lord. And therefore, whatever you choose for me, I'm good with. Because I know you'll give me the strength. I know you'll give me the wisdom. I know you'll walk with me in the midst of it. And Lord, my life is your life. Here it is. Use it in whatever way you choose. Folks, is that our heartbeat? Is that what we're about? Is that who we are as believers in Christ Jesus? When we look at the handiwork of God, we look at the the awesome creation. We recognize from the inerrant, infallible word of God, what God has set forth for us. This account that we've been created uniquely in the image of God to reflect him. It was marred. It was lost in a sense at the fall but it can be restored in Christ. Is that what motivates us in terms of our knowing the Lord and desire to walk with him? Every person that you come in contact with has been created in the image of God. Every person. See them through the eyes of Christ with hope, with expectation of what God can not only do in us, but what God can do in others as well. Thanks for listening to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life. Everyone has a story. Please tell us yours. Visit www.hoffmantown.org and click on the Tell Us Your God Story link on the homepage to share yours with us. Thanks for listening to our podcast, and we hope you will join us next week.